Welcome to Becoming Referrable, the podcast that shows you how to become the kind of advisor people can't stop talking about. I'm Steve Wershing. On this episode, we talk with Stacy Francis, an investment news woman to watch. Stacy was on a career track in college that was about as far from financial services as you can imagine, but personal tragedy intervened and gave her a mission that's made her a successful professional, the creator of the charitable organization Savvy Ladies, and the leader of a healthy and growing financial advisory firm. Some of what was interesting about our conversation is the different approach she takes to things that Julie and I usually recommend to advisors, from not stressing her target market on her homepage, which, by the way, is one of the most beautiful websites we've seen for a financial advisor, to how much work she's willing to do for prospective clients before asking them for the commitment to become a client. One other particularly valuable topic is when we talk about her referral tracking system. In the study that Julie and I did, we found that this kind of system correlated strongly with getting a higher level of referrals, and Stacy clearly has it mastered. Here now is our conversation with Stacy Francis. So Stacy Francis, welcome to Becoming Referrable. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I'm very honored. Well, so, Stacey, you know, you and I have spoken a couple times, and I've, I've seen you speak before, and I, I understand that, you know, you, um, when you were younger uh, and going to college, financial advice was a long way from your original idea for, the, uh, for your career, uh, except that a, this major life event sort of jumped in the way and set you on a new course. Can you tell us a little about that story? Yes, I... Uh never ever pictured myself becoming a a financial planner in fact uh wanted to do everything as far from from money and numbers as possible so i ended up going to a wonderful liberal arts school middlebury college and i became a french major spanish minor and not a whole lot of numbers in there um but i i had a life-changing experience my my dear grandmother one of the most special people to me in my life uh, we had a heart to heart, and I finally asked her why she she stayed in her marriage. And that sounds a little bit like a prying question, um, or and maybe even inappropriate. But I had seen her um, be verbally abused and unfortunately um, physically abused, and she never she never left. And i i couldn't I couldn't understand why. And I was a sophomore, and at that point, finally got the courage to ask her why she stayed. And and the reason why she decided to stay was because of money. My, my whole world changed on, on that, that moment, my life became something very different. And at that point I committed myself to learning about money and I, I realized it was not an option anymore because if this could happen to one of the smartest, brilliant, most wonderful women on the face of this planet, um, that could, that could happen to me. Yeah. And, and that, um, launched you into a, into an area now I was, was it, did you, um, did your charitable work start, um, around the same time as your career or did you tell us about, I wanted to ask you about, you know, getting into this career, but also starting savvy ladies. Can you tell us a little bit about the genesis of those? Yeah, thank you for for asking about that. Uh, Savvy Ladies is is really my love letter to my grandmother. She ended up passing away, unfortunately, um, because of the abuse. 
And I was devastated, obviously. She and my mother were two of the most important people of my life. And uh, I lost one of them. And Savvy Ladies was my way of honoring her memory. And most importantly, she was a person who lived her life trying to help others. And so it was my way of, of giving back. So about 16 years ago, I started Savvy Ladies. And it started very small. Um, it was women coming to my home. I would make uh, snacks and dinner. And we would talk about all different topics. In fact, I remember the first one were, <laughs> was the 25 most overlooked tax uh, savings opportunities. And my kitties ended up sitting on, I think, each one of the people's laps there. <laughs> uh, thank goodness no one was allergic. Uh, so it started out very, very small. And I was just so, my, my heart was so warmed by the women getting excited about this information wanting to learn more, telling their sisters, their friends, their mothers, and ultimately grew to uh, some of our seminars have as many as 250 women coming. And we have now weekly webinars um, that, you know, literally dozens and dozens and dozens of women attend. So it's become a huge part of my life and, you know, part of my mission to help women. And we've now helped about 20,000 women. Wow. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so does that, I mean, the crossover between that and your financial planning work must be significant. Do you, do you plan differently now as a result of all of that? Um, the crossover it is significant in the sense that uh, I have such a deep understanding of how women feel about money. Um, and the crossover is very similar between Savvy Ladies, where most of the women are, um, you know, what we would say middle class to below. Um, these are a lot of women who are, are you know, essentially not going to be able to work necessarily with an advisor that has a million dollar minimum. So these are women who might be business owners, uh, teachers, working in the area of marketing. Um, and they really come to this uh, many times very intimidated um, feeling embarrassed that they don't understand all of this information. Um, but, you know, it, that definitely does cross over to the work we do through Francis Financial because the women who come to us who tend to be higher net worth, they have a, at least a million dollar portfolio or, or more that we're, we're helping them manage. Those, those, same, those same motions of fear, anxiety, embarrassment, um, lack of confidence, we see that as well. So the crossover is definitely that it really doesn't matter how much money you have or, or don't have. This information is paramount for you to understand, number one. And number two, a lot of us feel intimidated, but it really comes down to the fact that we just haven't had a formal education. Um, and, and that's really where Savvy Ladies is, is rooted in of let's let's start talking about money let's learn about money because something be that might be very intimidating once you you get more information it's not nearly as intimidating and and if you think about maybe the first time you you went driving your first driving lesson and how how you know, at least for me was very scary um, and now I I get behind the wheel and and it's automatic you don't have to think about it in the same way it's the same thing with money same exact thing. 
Do you, it, sorry. It's a great, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Julie. I was just going to ask if you, if you see this distinction then within couples as well, where, and <clears throat> I mean, clearly this is, is something we talk about as being gen, gender related, although it's not specific to women. I mean, if, if you looked at my household, my husband hates to talk about money, felt um, ill-equipped early on to do that because he didn't get that right education, but, but more often it, it's going to be the, the woman, I think, traditionally. So it, is the work that you do sort of uh, to, to help, uh, are there skills that advisors you think need to learn in order to, to engage couples as well coming out of this? I do. And, and, you know, I'm using really broad generalizations about women feeling this way or, or that mm-hmm. way. And, you know, that's, of course, right for a certain, you know, subset. But, you know, there are a lot of people that don't feel that way. And I see a lot of gentlemen feeling the same way. Yeah. Um, you know, th- th- there are definitely skills that us as advisors and and myself included, continuing to to get smart about and continuing to to learn. And the, and the b- biggest piece is empathy, not having judgment, and patience. And those sound like issue, you know, is different, different, emo- um, you know, skills that any advisor should have. But when you're working with uh, someone who is really would much rather go and get a root canal at their dentist office <laughs> than be sitting in that chair at your conference room, uh, you need to, you know, you really need to d- dip into those. And so we do a lot of things that doesn't seem like uh, it makes a big difference, but it does. We have uh, a dog, a little shadow. Uh, we call her our security dog, even though she's, you know, about, um, about eight pounds. <laughs> and uh, so she's actually a trained therapy dog and she's here and, and our clients love seeing her. Um, we have candles, we have beautiful colors. It's very warm and inviting. There's a couch to sit at or a conference room table. Um, when you come in, it's not just coffee, but macchiatos and cappuccinos <laughs> and lattes. Um, and sometimes clients may not even want to come to the office, even as much as we do to try and make this a, a warm, wonderful place. Um, they Sometimes they prefer for us to go to their house or meet them for dinner. Or, um, you know, a couple clients will come over and bring their kids and we'll have play dates. So it's meeting the clients where they're at in the place that they feel uh, most comfortable to talk about money. And it takes a little bit more effort, but uh, I think that it it really does, um, really does deepen that relationship that you have with a client. And there'll be a client, truly, there'll be a client for life. So you, uh, you've you talked about how you customize the environment and, um, you know, the different ways that you make people comfortable. Have, have you customized your process as well to, to tailor it to that, the group that you want to serve? Yes, and that's a good question. Um, we worked really hard on this for the last three years because um, before it, it was a little bit more willy-nilly and we would have a conversation and it might go over to here and then back over to there. And um, sometimes we didn't get to cover some of the pieces that were very important. So over the last three years, we have put together a process and it's a three-step process the first meeting is our discovery meeting. We have specific questions that we ask, um, and we ask them to all of the potential clients that come in. And it's really powerful because there are pieces of their life that 
uh, we learn about that we may not have um, may not have come up in just normal conversation pieces that actually really impact the best way that we can work with them and also really impact their planning. So yes, we definitely have changed the the process and the system we use to make sure that we're there for them. And the questions we ask are um, very soft questions and those soft questions then after we've created a rapport after there's comfort and there's more trust built, then finally at the end, we're talking about what's in your 401k, what might be in your Roth IRA. So um, I'd like to dig into that just a little bit, just because I I believe that, you know, the way that you approach your clients is is different, you know, and and tailored to tailored to the the people that you want to serve. But the way you describe it, having a three-step process that starts with a discovery meeting sounds almost identical to, to lots and lots of advisors out there. So when, when you're communicating about this process or, um, you know, when you're putting things on your website, how, how do you help people understand, how do you help women understand that, that this is different from the three-step process that all the other advisors have? You know, it, it's the biggest challenge, I think, for any advisor in this field is how to differentiate themselves. You know, saying we're different, we do this different, um, what we have decided and what I, I truly see as the most effective is, you know, we can tell you anything, but you will see once you experience working with us and our work product that we are different. And that client will come in that first meeting. And then the second meeting, they are sitting down and they see their entire life both the the wonderful people that are important to them, their goals, their values, what's important to money about them, uh, also all of the the hard points of their investment portfolio. We do a full analysis of that portfolio so that they understand exactly where their money is and what tweaks and recommendations. That that amount of work for us is about twenty hours, but we have decided that that is part of part of the investment in a potential client because they then, instead of us telling us, telling them how it is to work with us, they actually get to experience it and feel it. And that is key for them to decide, are we the right fit for them long-term? And it's also key for us because we get to know them and see, are they a good fit for us long-term? And they're definitely our clients, potential clients that, um, that we say no to that we say no to. So so where where in that process do you ask for a commitment from the client? So how how much of that work do you do before you you know, for lack of a better way of putting it, get paid for for doing all that work? We don't ask for commitment until then our third meeting. So okay. it's after all of that work is done. And what we have found is that those individuals that don't move forward with us Typically, they're not going to be a good fit for us long term, or it could be that there's something else. Uh, So we've had, for example, one woman deciding not to work with us because her father offered Mm. to manage her money. Now, granted, there are a lot of negatives with that, but for her, that was the right thing. However, she sent us a referral two weeks later. So while this is a good amount of time, and and, and I will tell you, I've, I've had to add staff to our our team to be able to handle this volume because of the amount of work, it's been well worth it 
well worth it in the pace that we are growing. We've never grown at this pace. And also our close ratio has never been, um, never been better. And both because they know exactly who we are, what we're going to do, um, but also because we've gotten better at screening out in the beginning too. And I'd, I'd, I want to make sure we come back and finish the three steps, but um, if you don't mind, just because you talked a bit about differentiation um, to, to pick up on that, uh, a couple of, couple of things. I, uh, when you explain what you do, Stacy, to people, is it uh, geared toward women or is it more general than that and you just attract women based on the way that you operate and, and your website and the things that you talk about? Yeah. That's a good question, Julie. We we talk about how we work with women, and there I've received many um, you know tips and suggestions from other financial advisors and marketing people uh, telling us that uh, we're saying no to a, a very big group of other people who happen to not be women. Uh, mm-hmm. But we we don't mm-hmm. listen to them. Good and for you. We we believe <laughs> that if we talk about who we give the most value to, who are um, you know who we were essentially made for, and who we're made for is is you know somewhat narrow. It's women going through or have been divorced, and women whose husbands have passed away. So that's saying no to a, a huge number of potential clients. However, what's really phenomenally interesting, and also just a a wonderful blessing is that we also have about 30% of our clients being happily married couples. And they come to us typically because the wife is doing research and she is really attracted to us because she wants to be involved with the finances and maybe hasn't been involved with the finances as much as she um, you know, would like to in the past. So about 30% of our clients are happily married. And that is really nice, too. It's really nice to have that balance. And I noticed there's um, some subtlety that I've noticed with a lot of websites um, around visuals. So, for example, if we go to yours, I don't know that on the homepage it says we work with women, but the visuals... Are, are much, it does once you dig into it, but but it, it's interesting how uh, the impact that the visuals have with young families and and women uh, the the imagery is quite clear. It seems to me. And there was there was so much thought that went into that imagery. Um, those are our actual clients, and we we really wanted to show that we work with real people, real mm-hmm. people that are just like you and have the same worries, the same difficulty balancing, um, you know, essentially people that you can relate to. And so we put a lot of thought and effort into that because it's intimidating enough to go to a financial advisor. If you go to their website and there are canned pictures of people you know really that they're not working with, um, I think it makes it even that much more difficult. Yeah, it's it is it is interesting because um, you know I'm I'm a words guy, and so it's 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 interesting to hear you talk about the imagery and 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 it's also interesting that you really don't talk about the that that sort of mission of making sure that women are comfortable with and understand money um, as that target market, and so. Um, 
how else do you communicate that message? How else do you get that? Because I understand that, you know, your business is doing great and, you know, you're not at a loss for, for new clients or referrals. So how else do you get that message out? Or to what extent do you feature that mission in, when you talk about the business? So the the way that we get that message out is is has many different prongs. And that many of those prongs might be uh, social media, um, a lot of speaking, a lot of TV, writing articles, um, specifically about women, women's issues, um, money. It's also um, having special events. Um, so we'll have money circles where we are journaling about money and we are talking about money and what money means to us uh, in you know very small groups of 10 to 15 people. Um, you know, we'll go on beautiful sales around New York's New York uh, Statue of Liberty you know, over the sunset, drink sipping rosé. And um, I, in the next month, will be doing fifteen different sales on my sailboat. So we we do that as well. Um, and then when we're talking to referral partners and we're talking to potential clients, um, we we talk about how. We work with women. And I think really the most important thing is that we share our personal stories. Every person in this firm, we've done a, a huge amount of work of tapping into their personal story of why they do this very important work. They could work for many different firms, but they chose a firm that really focuses on supporting women. And sharing those personal stories, which we do at any, you know, and given any opportunity, we try to do that because it shows how dedicated we are. And it shows the, that we're really doing this from a place of love and support. And it, and it helps women realize that, guess what, they're not going to be judged. And, and this is a, a, a group of people they really can trust. So is that part of the skills, I guess, that you have developed and uh, you and your team have developed to ensure that people don't feel embarrassed by not having the knowledge, but feel more empowered? Exactly. And we have formal education and training here in the office. So we'll have a soft skills once a month, and then we'll have obviously a, a hard skills um, the other time. We also have a book club here where every month um, we're meeting, talking about the book that we're reading. So right now we're reading um, essentially option B by Cheryl Stanberg. And that is to talk and, and again, put ourselves in the shoes of a woman who has suddenly lost her husband because so many of our clients are in that boat. And we've talked about others, other different books, um, you know, the power of presence. We've done worked on books of, of dealing with change because so many of our clients are dealing with change, whether they wanted the change and have asked for the divorce or if it was even um, something that they didn't ask for and are having to deal with. Um, so we do a lot of work here to help our clients um, and then we also get additional certifications. Um, so we, several of us are grief recovery uh, coaches. Doesn't mean that we actually have a separate business coaching grieving clients, but that work, that skill, that certification is significant in helping us make sure that we know how to deal with our clients who are dealing with the different stages of grief. Um, and we see that grief, of course, if someone has lost their husband. Um, but we also, again, we see that grief with with many different pieces. Uh, 
with with divorce, with uh, children leaving the empty you know empty nesting and going to college, there you know are a lot of pieces of grief that that sometimes we don't think about. I should. I, I feel the need to sort of put a, a line under what a few things that you've been talking about because we, t- you know, we talked about differentiation and how difficult that is, and yet what you're describing is what differentiation is. I mean, at least in in my view, because what you've said is we have a clear uh, a niche market. And it's not just that we said we did. We've built our entire business around those individuals, whether it's how your office looks and the candles and the colors to the events that you run, to wine that you drink on those events, to, you know, the actual skills that you've got. And and so it strikes me that we can see that uh, target market reflected in every part of your business. And, and that is different, right? At the end of the day, that's what's differentiation. It is. And I... I just really want to tell anyone that's listening um, to this podcast that one of the most frightening uh, things you can do is to put your stake in the sand and make that decision that you're going to serve a certain market and you're going to tailor everything around it. But that decision, as scary as it might be, is the decision that will set you free, that will give you such such rewards, um, obviously personally and professionally, but also monetarily, because the world that we live in, our industry is only going to become more and more competitive. We know that. And so what is going to make you different? And if you're trying to serve everyone and you're trying to say yes to everyone, you're going to be finding yourself, um, unfortunately, working a lot harder and not getting the financial rewards that you hope for. And and let me just sort of add to that. Let me reiterate and put a focus on it, like Julie did. I, I think you know what you're doing um, is is the is the basis of real differentiation. Where, like Julie said, you're not just saying it, but you know, one of the things that impressed me is is talking about getting the, the grief counseling certification. You know, because you recognize, you know, specifically non financial things that your clients are going through and have developed additional skills and and additional knowledge around those things. That you know that that's you know it doesn't just have to be products and services and and financial things that will differentiate you it's it's also it's it's understanding the client on a different kind of level and being able to engage with them on on entirely different things you're right you're right and it 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 does make a big difference and it's again not that we're therapists and one of our biggest referrals out to outside individuals are therapists, um, MSWs, psychologists, psychiatrists, you know, depending on the, the need uh, of the individual. But having that skill set helps us see and, and understand when a client is struggling so much so that they really need that outside support as well. And interestingly enough, one of our biggest referral sources is actually from the mental health field. And so we get um, our second largest referral source other than matrimonial attorneys is uh, in the area of you know MSW psychiatrists, psychologists, um, couples therapists, um, a lot of individuals that are working with people who are really struggling, and that part of that struggle is is not feeling financially secure. I was just wondering. I mean, that's such an interesting comment. That and and I'm interested to know you know if and how you reach out to that community. 
Um, so reaching out to the mental health community is is really for us. It's been a uh, a, a very conscious effort, particularly over the last two years, and I have um, really been embraced uh, with open arms in that community. And partially, it's because we we really do walk the talk, and we are continuing to bring in professionals from that field to help train us, help us, um, you know, understand difficult clients. Sometimes even clients behave badly. I call it behaving badly um, because they are really going through such trauma that they tend to lash out and they may not be um, behaving the nicest way to us. So how do you deal with a client that um, is not really being them themselves? And they, there's a, there's a joke in the legal field that, um, criminals, you you know, criminal court, you see uh, you know, many times not so great people at their best. Um, people who are going through a divorce, you see often very good people who are definitely not at their best. So, you know, how do you deal with that? How do you not take it personally? Um, how are you able to broach that comment, uh, that that section, the area where you, you know, who are you talking to about this? Where is your support network? Um, and we, we have actually written a beautiful book where we asked women, 150 women, um, 100 different questions about their divorce before, uh, during, and after. And we asked them uh, what areas where they didn't get enough support, how might they have um, benefited more from more mental health support, more legal, more um, you know, financial support. And we share that, that work with them. And with that, they they realize that this is not just your average Joe uh, financial planning firm. This is a firm that truly is committed to this. Um, you know, something that took us two years, a year worth of uh, actual interviews, and then a year of of writing this. So that helps them know that we're we're not just here for their clients. We're we're really here for um, helping and and supporting. Yeah, I, there, there's Stacy. There's so much that I'd like to dig into, but I want to make sure we get at least one or two more things before we hit time. One of the things that impressed me uh, about how thoughtfully you've built this business, when you and I have spoken before, is um, how organized and how uh, thorough your referral marketing system is. You know that when you do get a referral, how how carefully you track and 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 monitor people through through the process toward becoming a client. Can you tell us a little bit? about that system that you've set up? We have a fantastic system um, and we built it over time. It's, uh, we, we use our CRM. The CRM we, we use is Tamarack, but there are you know, many, many CRMs that, that can do this for you. So every person that is referred to us, um, we tag them uh, so that we know where they are in the process. Have they had a pre-discovery? Have they had a discovery? What's the next step? Um, who referred them to us to make sure that we're sending them a handwritten thank you note. Um, and also so that we're able to uh, let that referral partner know um, where they are in the process. And um, most importantly, if they do become a client, um, then we send them a gift. And the gift that we send um, is actually a, a donation to their favorite charity. So this process is Excellent, because every Monday we then go through and we see where all of these individuals are in the pipeline. And we are able to understand, 
Is there something that we need to do to help move them forward? Is there a deliverable? Where are we at? So that no one falls through the cracks. Doesn't matter how busy we get. Um, no one falls through the cracks. And it also helps us monitor how are we doing? Um, what is our close ratio? Um, you know, close ratio with this person in the meeting versus that person in the meeting. Um, close ratio, you know, of, of people referring from, you know, Susie versus people that were refer- referred from Sally. And that helps us understand what should we be doing differently? Maybe we're not communicating who our ideal client might be to that referral partner in the best way. Um, if the close ratio is is different from one financial advisor versus another financial advisor here at the firm, does that financial advisor need to have additional training? What's going on there? So these are all things that help us see how are we doing and how can we get better? And then every quarter we have our quarterly retreat we go through our business goals, our personal goals uh, for each one of us, and we have a big you know, marketing conversation. And we spend an hour going through each one of these numbers to get a better idea of are we on track um, and what should we do? And it's the whole firm. It's not just the marketing team. It's not just me. It's the whole firm brainstorming and tweaking what we're doing. And that's how we've also, uh, I have to say, I think created such a great process because the whole team is giving us ideas and we've made some significant changes from, you know, everything from our interns giving us advice to, you know, people who have been here the longest. Um, And because everybody's part of it, there's ownership and everybody takes such pride in our success. And that's really important. It's it's a really exciting, um, really exciting thing for us to be able to do. And, and just for context, Stacey, how, what, can you tell us a little about the composition of your firm? How many are advisors yep. and how many are support staff and how many are marketing? Great. So we have two in marketing plus an intern. We always have an intern um, for the marketing team. And then for the financial team, we have three teams and two people are on those teams. So there'll be a, a associate and an analyst. So there's three of those, and the 125 clients that we have is broken up among those three teams. So you can see it's a very small client to uh, personnel ratio. And then there are two senior people, and myself and Avni, we are essentially split among those 125 people. Um, and so we're you know jumping in as the most senior person there. And then we have another admin person, and she is our rock star. We call her the mom to the office. Um, she's, <laughs> she's my executive assistant, but she's also the person that's making sure that like we're making smoothies, that a client comes <laughs> in that she remembers their dog's name, that um, I mean, she really is the heart and soul. And uh, it's it's a, a a lean team in the sense that we do so much. Um, but from the outside perspective, because we don't have that many clients, a, a lot of people might think they, they're sitting around twiddling their thumbs, um, but we definitely are, you know, we, we definitely are working hard. Um, and, and so you've talked about tracking people through the, um, through the system if they get referred to you. What, what happens if, if, if a client or if a psychologist refers somebody to you? What, what, what happens to that phone call when they first make contact with you? So the first thing they do is they um, talk to one of our two people in marketing for what we call a pre-discovery. It's a really good meeting because we get to hear um, what they're looking for, if they're an ideal client from a net worth perspective, um, and also explain to them 
the process and setting expectations so that the first time they're coming in, if they do make it through that pre-discovery and they are ideal in all those um, areas that we've, you know, clicked the boxes, when they come in for that discovery meeting um, with myself and um, an analyst, or it might be Avni and an analyst, they know exactly what to bring. They feel prepared. They feel more confident. They feel less intimidated. And uh, once that discovery meeting happens, um, before they walk out the door, we then schedule what we call their investment plan meeting, where um, it's essentially that, you know, looking at their entire life uh, that I spoke about. And it's really key. And I do want to emphasize that you have to make the meeting before they leave, because otherwise you could spend even an hour in admin time trying to get an appointment on the calendar. Um, And then once they do the investment plan meeting, um, then we schedule their mutual commitment And at that point, um, that's when we are actually filling out forms. They sign the the contract and the rubber hits the road. Often we'll do a lot of the uh, blueprinting for writing their financial plan in that meeting too. Interesting. Awesome process. Yeah, no kidding. It's detailed too. And and, we, we actually have it visually broken out for them so that they understand what they need to bring to each meeting and then what we're doing to prepare for each meeting. And so it's very clear visually. And I, I just think having that certainty and, and understanding that structure gives a lot of comfort. And, and I even see this with my own kids that, um, you know, having structure and having it, you know, life be organized that, you know what, by eight o'clock, our breakfast needs to be done because otherwise we're not going to get to school on time. They know that. And there's kind of that comfort, that comfort of guess what? you know, you, you know what to expect. It's not a surprise for you. It's the same thing with our clients. I mean, I think we all have so much change and so many things of our life that we can't, um, we can't control. Having a few things that we can count on gives, at least for me, a huge amount of peace of mind. I think it reinforces value too, right? I mean, your clients don't have to wonder what you're doing for them because you've, you've laid it all out there. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, you know, also, you know, part of that value is saying that we're going to cover every part of your financial life. And if there's something that we don't quite know all the answers to, don't worry. We've got a team of experts that we meet with quarterly um, that we can call at any time that we can get your answer for you as well. So we're not pretending to know all the answers. And I think there's also uh, our clients appreciate that because who does know all the answers? And if they're telling you that, you know that they're lying. So that's really nice, too, because they realize it's not just us, but we're actually bringing a team of experts that um, are there, whether it's estate planning or insurance or taxes or, you know, college planning. Um, We've got our team that we can reach out to to help support them. Well, Stacey, there's like I said, there are so many things I'd I'd love to keep talking with you about, but we are a little over our time. So I know, I know, and and I don't want to, I don't want to keep taking up so much of your day. But before we close, is there anything else that you'd like to say to our audience before we before we close it up? You know, I, I would just say the final piece, as scary as that step is, to make that mark in the sand, to put you know, to really put your flag down for who you work with and and what you do it is so worth it it is so worth it and the more specific you are the more profitable your firm will be and also the better work life you'll balance you'll have 
because, you know, for me, knock on wood, since I've been able to do this, I now take half days on Mondays and Fridays to be with my kids. It's phenomenal. And that's better than any financial compensation, although I'm very happy with what I'm paid too. Um, so think about this. Um, if you love your family, if you love your staff and your team, this is something that you really do need to do. Well, I can't think of a better way to, to wrap it up than that. So, <laughs> Stacy, thank you so much for joining us on Becoming Referrable. It's been a great conversation, and uh, we really appreciate your sharing with us. Thank you. It is such an honor to be on here. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, it's Julie again. It was great to have you with us on Becoming Referrable. If you like what you've been hearing, please do us a favor and rate us on iTunes. It really does help. You can get all the links, show notes, and other tidbits from these episodes at becomingreferrable.com. You can also get our free report, Three Referral Myths That Limit Your Growth, and connect with our blogs and other resources. Thanks so much for joining us.